Welcome to our mindfulness podcast. Each week or so, we will have a different podcast, different speakers, different chants, different Dharma talks. But mindfulness practice in Buddhism helps us focus and helps us be aware. And this program will consist of many different ways of meditating. We usually begin with bowing or gasho, then we prepare to sit, and we will sit for approximately 10 minutes. And then we will either stand and walk for another five minutes to kind of get blood into our legs again and and, uh, relax our muscles. And then we'll sit for another 10 approximately. And then we will chant, which is another form of meditation. Uh, We focus on the characters and we pronounce the sounds as a group. And it's a kind of a ritual of oneness. And then after that, we'll have a short Dharma talk of about five to 10 minutes. And then we'll close with Gasho. And this also includes offering incense. We offer incense, but you could also light the incense before the service starts. And this is kind of the program uh, of how our meditation services proceed. And so we will be getting underway today uh, with our program. Thank you very much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, It's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply. Let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. We will begin uh, sutra chanting. Sutra chanting is actually a portion of a sutra that we will chant. Uh, most sutras are far too long to be able to chant in one sitting. So for us, uh, we're usually chanting a verse out of a longer narrative or prose. And that's why uh, each line consists of perhaps four or five or seven characters. When we chant, we read from left to right, just like in English, and we move down the first column, and then we move to the second column, and so on. Open circles uh, represent bells uh, for the chant leader to ring. So we always begin a sutra chant with two bells. Whenever we change a section, we use one bell to kind of signal that we're changing uh, from one section to another. And then when you end a sutra chant, you always end with three bells. Each syllable here is written in Romanized characters, English characters. And each syllable here represents a kanji, a Chinese character. And it's written phonetically. It's the sound of the character. The vowels have the same pronunciation independent of location or their neighbor. So this is different from English. And the vowel sounds, uh, I've been told, resemble those in Spanish. So we have A, E, I, O, and U. And they're pronounced A, E, E, O, and U. And then uh, you'll see uh, italicized lines. Uh, those are leader lines that I chant alone. And you will also see underlines under some of the characters. And that means that rather than each character getting a single beat, an underlined character will get a beat and a half. And to kind of make up that little extra time, the next character in line will only get a half beat. And what you do is you don't really concern yourself too much about the meaning of what's being chanted. This isn't flashcards. We're not trying to learn something. This is a ritual. And so we chant together as a feeling of oneness. Don't worry too much about how you're doing. Be aware and mindful of each character. Uh, this is a form of meditation. Uh, rather than silent meditation, we're meditating through sound. So, you know, you see the character, you say it, you forget about it, you move on, and you say the next character. And over time, it becomes effortless, and you'll begin to memorize it uh, without realizing it. All right, we're going to chant uh, Jusege on page 39. Jusege is another poem or verse that can be found in the larger sutra. First, you have the Sambutsuge, then you have the 48 vows by the aspiring student claiming and proclaiming his desire to seek Buddhahood. And then after that, Jusege stands for repeated vows. So three of these 48, he considers to be the essence of his practice, and he repeats these three vows. And again, italicized lines are leader lines, open circles are bells, underlines are a beat and a half, and that means the next kanji character or sound is going to get a, a half beat. And we chant down the first column, reading left to right, and then down the second column, reading left to right. And then as we get about two-thirds of the way down the second column, you'll see that line has all underscores on it. Ko, ku, sho, tenin, to, u, chin, myo, ke. So we're slowing down. I've mentioned before that the first two bells means we're beginning a chant. And then that single bell there means that we're changing section. 
And it's a little bit like a train. You start out chanting slow, you speed up, and then you come into the station and slow down. And then we do Namo Amidabatsu, as we do on all of our chanting. And then we end with the Ekoku. Dangon Cho Sengam Oh.
please join me in God's show. Namandats, 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 namandats. Hello, this is Reverend Ellen Crane. Today, I would like to talk to you about the Dharma of Shoes. Let's see what we can find out about that. If I think about what Buddhism means to me, it's all about finding my own path of spirituality. On his deathbed, Shakyamuni Buddha said, All component things in the world are changeable. All composite things pass away. Strive for your own liberation with diligence. Work hard to gain your own salvation. In this statement, the Buddha speaks of the impermanence of all existence, which is the truth of reality, and then squarely places the responsibility upon me to seek my own liberation, just as he does for you. One of the ways we can move towards liberation or awakening is through the practice of mindfulness. In his book, Bright Dawn, Discovering Your Everyday Spirituality, Reverend S.K. Kabose helps us to look mindfully at our everyday life as he writes about his daily ritual of running along the shore of Lake Michigan. This was written back in the days when he actually lived in Chicago. Today he lives in California. But in this book, he shares ways for us to experience this mindfulness practice so we may discover our own spiritual path to incorporate spirituality daily. For example, in Bright Dawn, Reverend Kobose talked about how he got up in the early morning hours as the dawn broke and he reflected upon his life. He talked about going to the bathroom and explained his toilet gasho. Giving thanks before eating, of course, is a common practice, but we should also be thankful for the important excretion process. Eliminating toxic waste from our body is just as crucial for maintaining life as eating. Reverend Kobose is mindful of the food he eats, but he is also thankful that his inner plumbing works properly too. Next, he talked about his shoes. As he gets ready for his run, he mindfully laces up his shoes, noticing how comfortable they feel as he pulls the laces tight. Mindfully doing something contains a process beyond the physical doing. In Buddhism, this process is called the suchness of things. In the case of shoes, this suchness includes a quiet but dynamic quality. In mindfulness practice, we look beyond the mere physical aspect of the shoes to find something deeper. In recent years, my husband Tom and I have taken up bicycling for exercise and have enjoyed traveling to various places on bicycle trips. My bicycle shoes have a big clip on the bottom, which are very useful for riding but not so good for walking. I look at my bicycle shoes and I think about how they help me ride more efficiently and exercise better. And I know how I feel whenever I put them on and get ready for a ride. I sometimes think about the people who designed the system for clipping in, the factories and people who supplied the materials, the manufacturers and designers who made the shoes, the distributors who sent the shoes to the stores, the truckers who brought them, and the stores that sold them to me. I think of all the hands that touched these shoes. And these shoes also represent countless hours of time spent with my husband and friends, laughing, talking, sharing, and supporting each other over countless miles of touring all over California 
and even other parts of the world. With these shoes, I have experienced some of my greatest moments of contentment and peace, as well as a fair amount of pain and agony. I also have another pair of shoes that belong to our youngest son, Kevin. He bought them in Japan when he was living and working there after graduating from college a few years back. They cost him 2,000 yen, which is, was about $24 at the time. They're bright red, and I look at them and I see my son's funny and slightly crazy personality. They remind me of all the things he did while he was in Japan, like carrying hundreds of pounds of luggage on trains since he went to Japan to try out for a professional hockey team and needed all of his equipment besides his regular luggage. He eventually didn't make the team, but stayed in Japan and found a job teaching English. He happened to be in Tokyo when the tsunami hit Fukushima on March 11, 2011. We had some very anxious moments then, and these shoes remind me that he returned to us safe and unharmed. Oprah Winfrey is someone who overcame many obstacles in her life and has been an inspiration to many. On one of her shows, she was interviewing people in the audience, which is something she used to do often, back when she had her show, and asked them what inspired them in life. A woman stood up and told how she had bought a pair of Oprah's shoes at a charity auction. She bought them even though they weren't her size. She said, Whenever I got discouraged with how my life was going, I would take Oprah's shoes out of my closet and I... I would, I would. The woman had trouble continuing because of her emotions. And Oprah said, you would stand in my shoes. And the woman replied, that's right. I would stand in your shoes and get the courage to keep going. I attended UCLA as an undergraduate during its golden basketball years five NCAA national titles in a row, which gives you an idea of just how old I am. John Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach, was another person who inspired admiration and believed in an attitude of mindfulness. Many former players of John Wooden's have talked about his first lesson, the proper way to put on shoes and socks. He understood that this attention to detail mentally prepared players to perform their best. Reverend S.K. Kubose's father was the well-known Reverend Gyome Kubose of the Buddhist Temple of Chicago, and who is the author of the classic The Center Within and Everyday Suchness. Incidentally, and as some of you already know, he was an important teacher for Reverend, now Bishop, Harada. Reverend Kubose was famous for telling generations of Dharma school children, when you take off your shoes, thank them. Your shoes protected your feet all day, never complaining. He would tell children to pat their shoes and say, thank you, my little shoes. When some of these children grew up and came back to visit Reverend Kubose's temple, they would often mention his teaching of thanking their shoes. One young soldier once told him how he was thinking about this teaching when he was in basic training. One day he was sitting on his bunk shining his boots when a soldier in the next bunk yelled, Hey, this guy is talking to his shoes. 
For Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts out there, or anyone familiar with backpacking, you know that your boots are your most important item. Another man dying of cancer said he was grateful to have met Reverend Kobose 40 years before, and that he was also grateful for his shoes. It is surprising how such a simple teaching like thanking one's shoes would have such a profound effect on people. Gratitude for such little things show how intimate relationships are possible through mindful awareness. Being grateful to one's shoes or to some other particular thing always goes beyond whatever one is being thankful for. One becomes more aware of being grateful in general. One becomes a grateful person. This example of how something as simple as a pair of shoes can come to mean so much more than its physical attributes. In the same way, the statue of Amida, the Chinese characters of the Myogo, Namu Amidabutsu, and the Nembutsu itself is so much more than what we can hear and see. They are touching on the very heart of the meaning of awakening, what we call Shinjin in Jodo Shinshu. We are the ones who give it its profound truth. This is what we are touching when we come to the temple, when we chant, when we bow, when we listen to the Dharma, when we open our hearts and minds in mindfulness, and most importantly, when we say the Nembutsu. Please join me in Gasho. As we strive to lead a life of Nembutsu, we will be mindful of the Dharma as it reveals itself in countless, often simple ways, each and every day. Please join me in saying, Thank you, my little shoes. Namo Amidabuts, Namandabuts, Namandabuts, Namandabuts. This concludes this meditation service. Uh, I hope you feel grounded. I hope you feel different than when you began. And this feeling you have, uh, I hope you take it with you out into your everyday life. Uh, it's important to develop these qualities in a controlled environment like this podcast. But the aim is for the effects to begin to bleed out uh, into your everyday life uh, naturally. Uh, my wife once sent me a meme on Facebook that said, uh, yoga works, but only if you show up. And I feel that way about Buddhism and about meditation. Uh, it surely works, uh, but only if you stick with it. And uh, you have to get to the point where it becomes something natural and effortless in your life. And if you have high expectations and you're trying to rush the process, uh, you actually retard uh, your ability to change over time. Uh, you don't want to grasp it. You don't want to hang on to it. You just want to experience it uh, in a regular practice and integrate it into your everyday life. So thank you very much for coming. Uh, I will close with Gasho. Hands together and we will bow. Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. This program is copyright 2022 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved.